Let's begin reading tonight in verse number 1. Hebrews 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers, once purged, should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made, made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And all God's people said amen. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies, expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Isn't God good? Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast together, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. 
And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now in Hebrews chapter 10, the contrast here is the Old Testament offering for sin. That once every year, the, the, the perfect, without blemish lamb was brought representing the sins of every family, was delivered unto the high priest, who with the shed blood entered into the holy of holies for an offering that would only cover sin, but could never take it away. Only the Lamb of God could take away the sin of the world. And so Hebrews 10 is speaking of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The once and for all sacrifice. That he, that he didn't have to daily minister and offer oftentimes the same sacrifices which could never take away sin. But after he had offered one sacrifice For sins forever, his work was complete. So we continue down to Hebrews 10 and you get to verse 22. Verse 22, 23, and 24, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, Let us, because of all that Jesus Christ has done, because of his perfect atonement for our sin, because of his finished work on the cross of Calvary, because he was the Lamb of God that could take away the sin of the world and wash us from our sins in his own blood. He says in verse 22, let us, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. In other words, we must prepare ourselves spiritually to fellowship with God. Because fellowship with God demands purity. We must come to God with a pure heart and a clean conscience. That is why Sunday mornings opening up with prayer and presenting ourselves to the Lord is an important part of our service. Because we shouldn't wait to the invitation to get our heart right. If we're entering into the presence of God, if we're desiring to have fellowship with God, if we're desiring to have a greater relationship with the Lord, then we need with a true heart, a pure heart, a confessed heart, approach the Lord in full assurance of faith. And then he says in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. The readers of the epistle were being attempted to to forsake their their confession of Jesus Christ. When a believer has his hope fixed on Jesus Christ alone and relies on the faithfulness of God, then he will not waver. And so we hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And then he commends us in verse 24 and 25. To let us consider one another, to provoke unto love and to good works, 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The emphasis in verse 24 and 25 is not what a believer gets from the assembly, but rather what a believer can contribute to the assembly, to encourage, to help. This is not the mission field, are you with me? The mission field takes place outside these walls. The work of the believer happens when we leave here. So when we come to church, we need to be encouraged. We need to be refreshed. We need to be recharged. We need to be provoked, if you will. We need help to go out and to be able to do our work for the Lord. And so tonight, I want to spend just a few moments, and I I mean that, a few moments tonight. Concerning a people who desire to encourage one another. Let's pray together. Father, I pray tonight for the word. I pray that you'll minister to us today. Father, the last, the last several weeks, our focus has been on missions and the work of the ministry and how we are to be committed to the gospel and carrying the gospel to our homes and our community and supporting the gospel being carried throughout the uttermost parts of the world. This Today we begin a day of thanksgiving. And I pray that this morning's service is an, was an encouragement to everyone that is here. And you've led me tonight to continue down that path that we would see our responsibility toward one another, our responsibility to a church, to minister and to help and meet the needs of one another. So help me tonight in the time that we have to simply preach your word, present your truth, and may we leave here tonight refreshed and ready to serve you as we leave this place. We pray this tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. All of us know individuals who can drain the life out of you. Can I get amen there? That's more than I figured, really. We get around people sometimes that um, I I delivered that uh, lesson along, uh, you know, back back a year ago of how Christy always taught the boys be a fountain and not a drain, right? And they have heard many times, son, you're being a drain right now. You're sucking the life out of us. Haven't you been told that, Garrett? You're sucking the life out of your mother. All right? And we, we've all been around people like that. And the, to tell you the truth, there have probably been times where we have been those kind of individuals as well. Um, such an individual never has anything good to say. I mean, they'll find something poor out of every bright and sunny day. They'll find a problem with it. They'll find something to complain about. They'll find something to be critical about. And, and that's, just, that's just who they are. But every now and then, you're lucky to meet someone who's entirely, who's entirely the opposite. I, I, I just have to be honest with you. He's not here tonight. But when I, think of, when I think of an encourager, Gary Chandler always comes to mind. Because Gary Chandler never has anything but a smile on his face, and he's never doing anything but being an encouragement. 
And if he didn't have to go to work at 2 o'clock on Monday morning, I know that he would be here tonight. And sometimes he pushes through that just to be a help and a blessing. I can be preaching away and I can look at Gary Chandler and he's just got a smile on his face. And he wants to give you one of those big old Gary Chandler hugs, right? And, and he's, just, he's just a great blessing. You see him and you want to smile. And that's the way we should strive to be in our Christian life. I, I've been in too many church services as an adult where I left feeling worse than before I came. And uh, we, we've probably all been a part of that. We, we came, we needed some help, and we left feeling worse about ourselves than when we went to church. And I've been to some preaching conferences where I was expected to be filled and encouraged, but I left drained, and to be honest with you, I left ready to quit because it seemed like everybody was just done. A healthy church is an exciting church because God is at work. Amen? It's a place where our kids can't wait for God to use them, and it's a place where families look forward to coming to, and it's a place where we know we belong. And I love it when we have fellowships. I love it when we go around and shake hands. I love it when people are staying around late after church, and they're talking, they're gathering, they're assembling, and uh, don't want to go home. I love that spirit. Well, tonight I wanted to give you four things about people who are encouragers. And I started in Hebrews chapter 10 tonight, really just a springboard, in verses 24 and 25. Because people who encourage are those who encourage by their presence. Amen? I have been, I've been in many situations, BJ, where, where I'm, I'm driving to the person's house. I know they have had some heartbreaking news. Something terrible has happened. And I have gone many times and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to say when I get there? What, what positive thing can I say? How can I be in help and encouragement? And the thing that I have found that works the most is just sitting there and being present. Just, just being there. There have been times where I've walked in the door and I don't have a word to say. And I've seen the people, their, their face light up, they stand up, and they just want to give you a big hug. And they just want to cry for a moment. And they just want to feel loved and appreciated. And, and you don't even have to say a thing many times. Your presence encourages other people, all right? Can I tell you this? I'll just tell you, I'll just be honest with you tonight. You may not get anything out of this message tonight, but Darren Tucker, just you being here encourages me. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you something. You know what will discourage any preacher? People not showing up. It'll discourage every preacher, okay? And, and just people being present and there can be a help. Well, well, the writer of Hebrews says in verse 24, let us consider one another, okay? So for just a moment, let's stop talking, thinking about ourselves. We think about ourselves too often. And, and that even in itself can cause our emotions to go up and down. So he says, let's consider one another. Let's consider each other for a little bit. And to consider means to be attentive, okay? It means to observe. 
That means you're, you're not just saying, hey, how you doing? Good, and you're passing one another. You're paying attention. You're reading body language. You're, you're reading what people are saying. And you pass them and you say, Gil, how you doing? And you say, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing good or I'm doing all right. Well, that tells me something. Why are you just all right? What's wrong? What's going on in your life? Consider one another, all right? Consider, consider how you can, just your presence is encouraging to someone else. And really, we've all said this many times. We've all said this. Every pastor has said this. There are times where you just rather stay at home, but you go to church and you realize what a blessing it was just by being there. Amen? And so consider one another. We should not be so focused on ourselves that we're not aware of the needs of another. And so we're reading, we're reading body language, we're, we're reading conversations, we're, we're listening, and we're not ignoring. We're not focusing on ourselves or the task at hand. We're present and we're considering one another. Well, in considering one another, he goes on and says in verse 24, to provoke unto love and to good works. And to provoke means to incite to encourage, to stir up. So we have a responsibility to provoke each other, encourage one another, stir up one another to love and to good works, to love other people, to minister to the needs of others, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and bring glory to his name. I want everyone, when you come to church on Sunday, and every, every, God's going to give us different things, okay? I don't love everything that Christy serves on the table, okay? And man, I just said that and it sounds terrible. As the judge says, the jury needs to forget what was just said, okay? <laughs> what I mean to say, gosh, she's giving me a look. Not everything is my favorite, all right? But it is always good. It is always good. But not everything. Oh, mom. Next point. <coughs> stick to your notes, preacher. Stick to your notes, all right? Not every sermon preach is going to be knock, knock it out of the park. Amen? Not every sermon I preach, you're going to leave and say, wow, that was good. But it doesn't mean that's not good for you. Amen? My prayer is, is that every Sunday when you leave this place... You're encouraged to serve the Lord come Monday. Amen? And you're encouraged to serve the Lord on Tuesday. That you don't leave this place ready to quit. That you're ready, that you, that you leave here and you're ready to serve the Lord. That's provoking one another to love and to good works. Then he says in verse 25, 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I like it when all the family is together. I like it when all the kids are at home and they're not having to run and go do homework real fast. I love it when the family is together because there's a hole when one of them is not there. When one of them is missing, it's just not the same. Never take being together for granted. Amen? Never take being together for granted. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But he says, exhorting one another. Exhort means to comfort, to console, to instruct, to encourage, to strengthen. We're exhorting one another. Sometimes it's comforting. Sometimes it's instruction. Sometimes it's encouragement. Sometimes, sometimes it's strengthening, but exhorting one another. And we need it more and more as we see the day approaching. Amen? We don't need less fellowship. We need more fellowship. Now turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And look with me here. We see a people who encourage with their praise of God. Now the one doing the praising yesterday or this morning didn't look like one who was praising God. But their life had been turned around. Read with me beginning in verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John... And all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? You know, it's a lot easier to preach to people 
when people have a smile on their face because they believe in their heart that God is good. Amen? It's, it's hard to preach to people. When this, this, these couple of people over here are mad about something. And they may be mad about this people over here. And somebody's been on social media running their mouth about something. It's not even true. And then, and then this one over here has a long face. And you're looking at that and you can tell, man, they're burning a hole in me right now because they're not happy about something. And it affects the entire spirit in the whole place. Are you with me? It affects the spirit of everything. But if you got somebody who comes in and, man, they're walking and they're leaping and they're praising God, and they may get some looks and they may think, what has God into them? Well, I'm going to tell you something. It may be Jesus got into them and he needs to overflow into you a little bit. Right? It makes a huge difference. And we're always so long-faced and we're always so troubled about so many things. But Peter wasn't even planning on preaching when he went that day. He just went to the hour of prayer. And he just met this guy who had this financial need. And Peter didn't have any finances to give him. He couldn't help him with that, but he could give him Jesus Christ. And God used the testimony of that one guy who everybody else had ignored. And suddenly, all of a sudden, everybody is gathering around saying, what is, what is God in you? What's this change in your life? Why are you suddenly a, a person who doesn't talk? Now you can't shut up. And a person that never smiled, now you won't quit smiling. What, what has happened to you? And Peter, they all gather around. And man, he could say, I don't really know. All I know is this. I'm, I, met, I was introduced to Jesus and it completely changed my life. And Peter sees the opportunity and he preaches and 5,000 men get saved on that day. What a glorious opportunity. When, when, you, when you are praising the Lord, people need good news in their life. And when you are praising God and you're honoring him with your lips and your spirit and your face, it is contagious, it ministers to people, and it encourages one another, and it provokes one another that, hey, I want to serve the Lord. Man, I just want to tell somebody about Jesus. I, I, I want a part of what you have. I want, I want what you have to overflow into my life because I need some joy in my own heart. You can encourage one another when you're praising God. Then to chapter 4. And you can encourage one another in times of prayer. Well, after, after Peter got done preaching, there was that crowd that was there and they weren't happy about it. That crowd that was burning a hole in the preacher. Well, they get him off to himself in verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hold, hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for now it was eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. They were threatened. They were told they couldn't teach Jesus anymore. 
Don't preach Jesus to anyone else. We want you to, we, we don't care what you do, just keep the name of Jesus out of it. In verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. They couldn't argue with a man's changed life. That was obvious. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we can't deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them. That they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But when Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. Verse number 23, Peter and John returned to their crowd says their own company. I believe that's their, their church. That's their people. People that they know will pray with them. Can I get amen? People they know is not going to talk about them, but people they know is going to pray with them and help them and encourage them. So they went in verse 23, they went into their own company and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Whenever you're going through it, it's always good to remember all that Jesus went through for you. Amen? Jesus suffered. Jesus was tormented. Jesus was crucified. All of those things, he did that for us as a lamb before the slaughter. Verse 29, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Amen. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Can I I say this tonight? 
I don't know where the 5,000 were. Are you with me? The 5,000 that just got saved, I don't know where they are. They done gone home. And after everybody done went home, those preachers are over there and they're being threatened and their life is being threatened. And they are told, you know, you can't tell people about Jesus. Well, my goodness, I just saw 5,000 people get saved. I just saw 5,000 lives change, transformed. I'm going to tell you something. They're not going to be bad citizens anymore. They're going to be good citizens, right? I just seen this happen. And when they had faced that, they didn't have to go back to the 5,000, Gil. They didn't, have, they didn't need the 5,000. They just need some people who were like-minded in one accord and knew the mission is worth it. Can I get amen out there? The mission of telling people about Jesus Christ and encouraging others and ministering to others it is worth anything that we face in this life. If Jesus, if Jesus went to the cross, if Jesus had been reviled by his accusers, if Jesus had his beard plucked out and, his, and a, a crown of thorns placed upon his head so that the Bible says people couldn't even recognize who he was because of the suffering that he went through, if he could have gone through all of that for me, we can go through whatever we're facing down here. Amen? And he didn't need the 5,000. He just needed a few people that he could go to and say, listen, this is what I'm facing. This is, this is what happened when everybody else went home. This is what came up. And I need you to start praying with me. Hello? And when that group of people got done praying, those servants of God, none of them walked out of that room with their head hanging. Nobody was complaining about what they have been through or what they could go through. They held their heads up and they looked for more people to tell about Jesus. And with great power, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with great power and great boldness, they shared the love of God with everyone who would listen to them. Amen? If you have a circle of people who you can go to and just say, Hey, would you pray with me? You don't even have to know all the circumstances. Just know that I'm trying to live for the Lord. And I need God's help right now. Will you pray with me? And those people get together and they touch heaven with their prayers. And the power of God falls. It'll encourage you. Can I get amen? Praying people encourage one another. And lastly tonight... We see a people who encourage by their passion. I want us to turn to the Old Testament because I think this is a great example of that. In Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. People's passion 
their fire, their zeal, the burning in their hearts, the desire to please God, to serve God, their faithfulness, their, their steadfastness in the midst of the trials that they face, encourage others. In Daniel 3, I want us to look. Well, you, you, know, you know, I'm talking to a Sunday night crowd tonight. I know you know what takes place in Daniel 3. I just want to focus on three verses beginning in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. They did not say we're going to pray about it, we're going to seek God's will about it. They knew what God's will was as soon as they were threatened to be thrown in the fire if they did not bow down to the image. They say in verse 17, if it be so, if you throw us in that fire, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will, he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. That's a prayer life right there. Can I get amen? That's somebody that knows God. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that can get us out of the fiery furnace, right? He can deliver us from it. But sometimes he chooses to deliver us through it. He says, God is able. God, get us out of this. God can answer that prayer. God, keep cancer away. God can, God can keep, God can help me find a job. God can help me with the bills. God can take care of all that. I believe God can do that. Sometimes we all know he chooses not to. And so they say in verse 8, but if not, if he doesn't deliver us, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Can I encourage you tonight? Don't just be a Christian or a faithful church member who only rides good seas. When everything is fantastic and lovely and wonderful, oh, I'm there. But don't be the one where when things go bad, you're gone. Amen? When, when trouble comes, when the fire comes, and you got to th go through it and you got to face it, and we're all going to be there at some point. We're all going to be there at some point. Don't only cast yourselves when the waves are, when the, when the seas are calm. Stay on the ship when the sea around you is raging. But if not, be it known unto the O king, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. If, you, if God doesn't deliver us and we burn in that fire, so be it. But let it be known we're going out worshiping the one true God. Amen? We're going out serving him.
we're going out faithful. I close with these words from William Arthur Ward. Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. But encourage me and I will never forget you. Let's be an encouragement to one another. Amen? Consider one another. Provoke one another to love and good works. Be cheering for each other. Amen? Be cheering for one another. Be cheering for one another. Encouraging one another. Loving one another. Helping one another. Praying for one another. And exciting one another with our passion. Let's bow our heads tonight. Pianists come.